welcome to another inspirational message from Brave Church UK. For many people, that is what Christmas can be like. From ham to spam. All right. Christmas can be chaotic. It can be madness. It can be all sorts of things, can't it? Absolutely. And it just, it's bizarre. It's almost like a fever at Christmas. Everyone catches it. And then everyone starts to panic about all sorts of stuff. But question for you. How many of you, and this might be a little bit of an old school thing, but, um, and, and I am a bit older, so please forgive me. All right. But question, how many people will be starting to think about and plan perhaps when you'll do your big Christmas food shop? All right. I can see some nodding heads already. Those that are really organized. And those that are not organized are doing like, nah, I'm not bothered. All right, but it, it is one of those things that you have to plan. Now, I know there are online shoppers here. All right, hands up if you're an online shopper for Christmas. Oh, there's a few hands, but can you take the risk? Can you risk online Christmas shopping for your food shop when you have that phrase, the phrase I've written down, which is this, substituted product? You are all familiar if you're an online shopper with substituted product. Okay, that idea that um, I can't take the risk that you order cranberry sauce and you get HP sauce instead. All right, that kind of stuff, I cannot take the risk. So then I am one of those that has to go to the supermarket with my wife, Valda, to do the big Christmas food shop. And we've already started discussions about when that will be. Um, not going to tell you, because no offense, another thing that most people don't like to do is bump into people they know when they're doing the Christmas shop. Am I right? Come on, be honest. How many? Yeah, yeah, you see there's some shaking, some nodding heads there. There we go. Absolutely. So I'm not going to tell you when. It's just going to be late at night when it's relatively quiet. That's when we're going to go for it. But when you get there, it is crazy. Cues, cues, and cues. All right, everywhere. The aisles are packed. The trolleys are bumping into each other. There's always one who has to do that Christmas trolley train where they have more than one trolley they have two and sometimes you go for it and wedge them together and have three and then they're blocking aisles then you have the whole issue of sell by dates and use by dates how many people even though you know when christmas is when christmas eve is and christmas days how many people get the phone out to check the dates to kind of work out when that's going to be and how long it'll last i'm one of those i do that all the time but then you have because it's Christmas, the grumpy staff, all right, who, to be fair to them, it is a stressful time. Of course it is. But you're paid to smile. <laughs> you are. You are paid to smile, and customer service is a key thing, isn't it? Not when you're in the supermarket, of course it is. So they're paid to smile, not be grumpy, and not be stroppy, and not sulk when you take something off the shelf when they've just put it on, because the shelves are empty, all that kind of stuff. It is crazy, crazy is Christmas. And... What we're doing as, as a church is just trying to focus us back on what Christmas is really about. As Christians, we know the reason for the season. All right, I don't want to be a kind of catchphrase king there, but there we go, the reason for the season. And we know it's about Jesus. All right, and we want to bring it back to the Christmas story this morning. And over the last couple of weeks on our podcast, if you want to listen to it, we've been looking at week one, we were looking at the wise men. Week two, we were looking at Mary. And the angel. And this week, I am looking at the angel announcing the birth of Jesus to the shepherds. 
because I think the shepherds get a raw deal. And I want to just talk about the workers. All right. Now then, I want to look at Scripture, Luke 2, verses 8 to 15. And I'm going to read it, and it'll be on the screen behind us. And it says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified, but the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those in, on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Now, when the angels appeared to the shepherds, they were literally just going about their daily business. They were just going about their work. By day... They watched over the sheep to make sure that none had strayed. And they watched out for any predators that would devour or attack and all that kind of stuff. The field they were in was part of terraced hills. And you can Google it. If you literally put shepherd's fields, Bethlehem, you can see the fields that they were in. And they were terraced surrounding a valley floor. It was a lonely place to be. A place that separated you from Bethlehem and from society. At night... The shepherds would take turns to sleep on the floor of the uncovered pen with the sheep, whilst the other shepherds stayed awake to ensure that no unwanted guests came and took the sheep. As it was nighttime when the angels visited, it would have been pitch black, it would have been cold, and there was no cover to protect them from the elements of the weather. The shepherds would also have been extremely tired after a day of work. And if I'm honest... I do laugh at some of our younger generation these days when they say about, oh, it's been a hard day and they've done four hours. These shepherds, all right, these shepherds did a day and a night, grabbed a few hours and then carried on the next day and then the night after that. Now that is some serious graft, some serious graft. But regardless of that, not one of the shepherds would have been prepared for the visitation that literally was they were about to encounter. The shepherds would have been totally unaware of the amazing part that they were about to play. They would have had no idea that they were on God's radar. Shepherds were seen as some of the lowest people in society. They were only classed as just being above those who had leprosy. The shepherds were seen as being unclean, so when they're not able to go to court or even enter the temple. However, according to Jewish Mishnah text, the shepherds may well have been looking after the sheep that would have been sacrificed by the priests in the temple. So on many levels, the angels appearing to them is very significant. Very significant. It shows that from that moment, Jesus, Jesus was born, the world would never be the same again. The last would now become first. Those deemed unworthy would now be entrusted. And those who were overlooked would now be chosen. It's amazing to think that one interruption in their daily routine, became an introduction 
into a new way of living. So you see, life's interruptions are in fact God's introductions. And that's my first point. Now, if you've been at Brave Church for any length of time, you will know about Albert and his family. And if you haven't, well, there's Albert just over there, waving his hand. There you go, there's Albert. All right. Now then, Albert recently uh, was hospitalized in Blackburn General Hospital for some days, about a month or so back. And it was a worrying time for the family. And I've asked Albert if obviously I can share this with you, so it's not like it's a surprise to Albert, all right? <laughs> but it wasn't expected. It wasn't. It was an interruption into their life as they knew it. And in those moments, it's easy to think, where is God in this? You know, why am I going through this uncertainty, this pain and fear that will come from this situation? But Albert was telling me just last Sunday how he met a man on that ward, a man who had been in... ICU for a long length of time. To cut a long story short, basically his stomach had ruptured and he was being poisoned from the inside out. And he'd been in ICU and then they tried him on the ward for a little while. And Albert got the opportunity to pray with that man every day during that time. And then there was one particular day when at lunchtime that day, the ICU, they were going to make a decision whether he had to go back to ICU because his health was deteriorating a bit. They prayed that morning. They prayed specifically for it. And in that lunchtime, they decided, you don't need to go to ICU. How amazing is that? How amazing? You see, for Albert, that interruption was, for that man, God's introduction. So you never know. The shepherds were just going about their business when an angel appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. It was an interruption for them. It was. Their normal had been well and truly disturbed. They'd gone from dark, quiet, and solitary to Bright light, noise, and it's all around them with no warning. It's not like there was a back up, you know, like a kind of reverse sounds to say that something's coming. It wasn't like there was any instrumental music building up to warn people that something was about to happen. It wasn't like there's a flashing sign saying, beware, angels about to appear, heaven about to open, nothing. It was literally dark and quiet and suddenly, boom, that happened instantly. And what does the angel say? Don't be afraid. Wow. Yeah, I'd be pretty afraid. I probably had done one by then, or I had a heart attack, whichever was the first one. All right. Uh, and I'm so glad that these days, the Holy Spirit just prompts our spirit rather than that. But the word interruption is an interesting one. You might not think it, but it is. All right. It's perceived often as being negative. An interruption is often seen as negative, but it's simply an action, only an action. Yet how many of us think interruptions and automatically think it's a bad thing? Okay. British nature tells us an, uh, an interruption is bad, whilst a surprise is good. We can all get frustrated, react badly, get annoyed when our normality is disturbed. We often say, I'm sorry, when we break into or interrupt someone or something. We can all have a negative bias about interruptions. But here is what happens after the shepherd interruption. God gives them another interruption. It's almost like, if you didn't get it the first time, here's a second one for good measure. And it's as though God is excited about what's about to happen and can't contain himself. This time the angel was joined by a backing band, a full orchestra, a gospel choir, and a brass band, all in the mix. This time the angel was joined by all of that. And the Bible calls it a great company of the heavenly hosts. Saying, declaring, and worshipping. A celebration about what this meant for mankind and the bigger picture. 
You see, Jesus was always interrupted going from place to place. You look at the New Testament and everywhere he went, there was an interruption. It, but it was often an introduction to a miracle. You know, Jesus loved to interrupt, to break apart, to break off, to break through to those God interruptions, uh, introductions as well. But the word interrupt actually comes from the Latin interruptus. And one of the root meanings of it is to break apart, break off, or break through. You know, we need to realize that interruptions are a good thing. They are a God thing. It is in the interruption that an introduction to mine, yours, ours, or someone else's breakthrough can take place. You know, I wonder how many times we've missed out on a breakthrough in our own lives because we've turned our backs on an interruption. An interruption that God wants to use for good. To use for good. Interruptions can break into our normal, our daily. Interruptions can break apart what we think we want. Interruptions can break off our selfishness. Interruptions can break through our self-centeredness. It was an interruption for the shepherds, but for God, it was an introduction into their newly focused and God-centered future. Romans 8 verses 28 says this, And we know that in all things, not some, not maybe some, but all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Sus last week spoke about fear and how the unknown can hold you back. How fear can grip, paralyze, and rob you of life. The shepherds were told by the angel not to be afraid. And I believe God would say the same to us today. Do not be afraid. You know, I get it that interruptions can be unnerving, which makes us think that nothing good can come from it. But ask Albert. Ask Albert. He knows the outcome of his interruption in hospital was another man's faith built up to one of, from one of his lowest moments. He had breakthrough that was coming. And he saw answer to prayer and he was being healed. And Albert rang him, up, rang him up this week to find out how he's doing. And literally he's going to be out before Christmas now, which is amazing to think. Amazing to think. The man saw an answer to prayer. So maybe you've been interrupted. Maybe you've been in a state of fear or frustration. It may be a finance interruption, an employment interruption, a health interruption. Let God use it to introduce you to your breakthrough. Now, the second point I want to mention is with God comes God's favor. Verse 13, it says, this, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now, when I hear the word favor, it usually means only one thing. I usually go on a little bit of a pity party and kind of like, oh no, what do they want now? Because what do I mean? Well, have you ever heard that phrase? And I'm pretty sure you all have because you'll have used it yourself if you've not already heard it yourself, which is, can you just do me a favor? How many people? Hands up if you've used that phrase. Come on. Audience participation. You can stretch at least one arm. If you want to go for it and go and stretch the right arm, you can do. Absolutely feel free. But we do. As a teacher, I used to hear that a lot in the classroom. As staff or students wanted my help in some additional way to what I was already doing. In other words, they wanted something for nothing from me. The thing is, God gives us something for nothing, and it's called favor. The angel let the shepherds know that when they praise God, they become at peace with God. 
And God's favor comes to rest on their lives. We now know that this was not just for the shepherds. See, when Jesus died on the cross and rose again, he opened up the pathway so the whole of humanity can have the same favor over their lives. All anyone needs to do to receive it is to believe in Jesus. It's that simple. God doesn't treat us fairly. He treats us with favor. We don't get what we deserve. We get what we don't deserve. We get his favor. The angel proclaimed glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. But what the angels proclaimed at the birth of Messiah was an international peace. They proclaimed a deeper, more lasting and eternal peace of mind and heart brought about by the birth of Jesus. Peace with God this Christmas and every other Christmas comes only by being found in God's favor. This comes only by being in Christ. He is the Prince of Peace for all who make their peace with him. It's important to state that his favor rests on you. If you consider Jesus to be your savior, God's favor rests on you. Rest is an interesting word. It's not temporary. It suggests it's been placed on you, so it stays in position, which means it never leaves you. It's always there. We all have favor to access his incredible power, ability, stamina, strength, wisdom, peace, and daily provision to see us through any situation that we might face. It's unmerited, undeserved, but completely accessible at any point as it rests on you. But maybe today you have unrest in your life. It isn't that God has removed his favor. It's that you have got so much stuff, so much unnecessary stuff going on in your world that now your view of favor is obstructed. You know, we've just recently had our peekaboo Christmas parties and it's the first time that I've been involved with kind of doing stuff beforehand in the past, but this time I've actually got to work in it. And one of the games we played is a classic. It's called Pass the Parcel, all right? But it's a little bit different with, with its six-month-old babies and one-year-olds, all right? It doesn't tend to get passed that often. It tends to get nibbled on, sucked on, dribbled on, bits torn off, and then parents and, and, and carers are kind of like embarrassingly trying to pass it around to the next person, to the next person. But the idea is the music plays, it stops, you unwrap it, the music starts and it goes around again until literally it's all unwrapped. And whoever's got that last one, you win. Favor is a gift from God. But sometimes, like the parcel, we have to stop and unwrap the layers of life to reveal it. When we can't seem to see God's favor, it just means that the wrapping paper is in the way. You need to tear away the layers that are holding you back. And one of the biggest stumbling blocks for most people is that it's how we see ourselves. Okay, how we see ourselves. We speak words over ourselves such as, it can't be me. I am powerless. Others can, but I can't. It doesn't happen to me. It's just the way it is. I just get on with it. Well, maybe today you're sat here thinking, I can't just see his favor. That's for others further on the journey. The great news is that favor isn't experience-based. It isn't time-related. It's salvation-based. You do have it, but often the reason is we don't experience it is because we're not releasing our faith in this area. We're not removing the wrapping paper. So why don't we all make today the day that we stop having that underdog mentality that speaks of defeat and instead fuel our faith to rise up with a favor-fueled mentality that declares victory over our circumstances. You see, we can have confidence 
that we will not be defeated by our present situations, not out of arrogance for who we are, but rather whose we are. But however, having favor doesn't mean that you won't have challenges. Often that is where the misconception that we're not good enough comes from. Favor isn't about challenges we face. Instead, favor is the very thing that is stopping the challenges from defeating you. You might not see it, but favor is pushing back on those challenges. Favor is what is protecting you from those challenges, taking you down. Favor will always bring you out of the storm. No matter how bad things seem, no matter how situations seem to be chasing you, addiction, dysfunction, stress, ill health, or toxic relationships, do not be afraid. The favor will come through. Christ is enough. Stand on scriptures that say how we're anointed, how we are chosen and handpicked, how we are fearfully and wonderfully made, how we can do all things in him who gives us strength. And finally, and you'll be glad to hear the word finally, but it won't be a finally like Sam does, which might last another 20 minutes. All right. Finally, the last thing I want to ask is simply this. What's your move? What's your move? The shepherds were interrupted and introduced to God's plan. They were told not to be afraid and that God's favor was with them. They were told about the amazing universe changing, game changing moment of the birth of Jesus. So what did the shepherds do? They did two things. The first thing is the shepherds made a move towards Jesus, towards Christ. They made a choice that each of us has to make, which is to pursue Jesus. The second thing is they moved towards others. When they saw Jesus, they spread the word and people were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. See, when we've been interrupted, when we realize God's favor rests on us, we have to make a move. You can't meet Jesus and still be the same. There has to be a move. The shepherds moved out from where they were, leaving what they had always known, their lives with the sheep, and embraced a new journey that God had put them on. They left the sheep. They left the things that would have slowed them down. I wonder today if there are things in our lives that we need to simply lay down and move out from. Things that are slowing us down and hindering our journey of pursuing Jesus. The shepherds made a move towards Jesus. What does your move towards Jesus need to be? Maybe the move you need to make is to allow Jesus into your life, to recognize that he's your savior. Maybe the move you need to make is to commit to coming back to church each week. Maybe your move is to sign up for a connect group, to start serving in church. Maybe your move is to get baptized. As a church, we believe baptism is important. It's crucial as part of your development, as part of your growth in faith. And maybe today you need to get baptized. Maybe your move is to pick up your Bible, discover the truth about God. Maybe your move is to simply let go of things that you know are unhealthy. We all have something that we need to move away from in order to see Christ in our situation. What do you need to personally move away from in order to move towards Jesus? You see, once the shepherds had made their move towards Jesus, they did something that amazed other people. It was not by demonstrating miracle after miracle to people, although I believe God wants us to perform miracles through us, but all the shepherds did was open their mouths and speak. They spoke to others about Jesus. They moved in towards Christ and then out to tell others. My question is, what is your move towards a world that needs Jesus? We're supposed to be reaching out to bring others in so that they can be introduced to Jesus. Often we shy away from it. We think 
Who am I to speak? Who am I to say? What if they ask me a difficult question? All that kind of stuff. Do you know what? Our story, our testimony is enough. That's all we need. That's all we have. And no one can ever take that away from you. You can still make a move towards others without having to preach, without having to use that phrase that I don't particularly like, but as soon as I use it, Bible bash, you know exactly what I mean. I want to challenge people to tell and bring as many people as you can. Over this next week, we've got a service next week. We've got a Christmas Eve service as well. You know, we don't throw money at things like donkeys and all that kind of stuff. We're not throwing money at donkeys. Obviously, that's not very good. Okay. But you know what I mean. All right. We, we don't kind of pay for things like that just, just to bless people. Although we are a charitable church. We do like to do that. We do like to bless people. But it's with the mission in mind that it's so much bigger than that. It's with hope that people will have an introduction to Jesus. And one could invite a whole family next week. And that might be the difference for them. Their salvation might start next week. So get vocal. Invite somebody. Make a move. That's the end of this week's podcast. We hope that it inspired you. For any more information, visit bravechurch.co.uk.